My name is Isaac. Good morning. I'm preaching today. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Glad you're excited now. Uh, I'm not the pastor here if you're new. But, um, but nice to meet you if I've never met you. Uh, you know, you might be shocked that I'm preaching, and I'm shocked too. So uh, we're all here. We're in this together. So buckle up. Uh, my wife, Noelle, is here. We have three boys, now three. Uh, the first, his name is Harrison, he's four. Uh, Theodore, he's two. And Abraham is four months, and he's, he's down here watching me preach. So that's my family. We've been part of the City Harvest family for about seven years now. Um, and for five of those years, we've, done, uh, we've been the pastors of the young adult crew. And so, I, yeah, that's, I know, right? <laughs> and uh, I've served on worship teams, so you might have seen me jumping around up here. But that's us. And so, good morning. <laughs> uh, before I jump into the Revive series, which I'm super excited to, to preach on, I'll jump back into that. I want to give you just a small bit of my testimony, uh, because I think it's relevant to what I'm about to say. Um, I was saved when I was five years old or so. So thank God, thank Jesus. My parents are here. Thank you. Um, but it wasn't really until college where God required of me to make a decision, like a firm decision. And so long story short, a lot of details in there, but I decided, and the answer is yes, obviously, otherwise I probably wouldn't be standing here. But I decided for him, and God put a prayer in my heart at that time, uh, about freshman year in college, and, and that prayer was pretty simple. It was just use me. Use me, Jesus. Use me. And I just prayed it over and over again. Use me. I don't know how you will, whatever way it, it comes out, but God, I want you to use me. And so that was my heart, and that was my prayer. And uh, it's good because, you know, God just wants your heart anyway. And so he had mine. He had mine. He had my decision, and he still does. Uh, yeah, amen. But it wasn't until a couple years ago, I'd say, that God really started to show me how he would answer my prayer. Use me, use me. He started to show me how and uh, began to show me in the Bible how he uses people in the Bible. Scripture started jumping out at me that I'd never recognized. I was reading through the book of Acts and through Paul's letters to the churches, and I began to see people, just people, fishermen, people like you and I, doing miraculous, marvelous things, things that I had no context for in my life. I didn't understand. I, I found that I couldn't understand parts of Scripture, like I didn't really get them because I had never actually known what they went through. I couldn't identify with their experience because my lifestyle, I had never witnessed it. And so then I went on this journey, and I'm just like, God, whatever it takes, okay, you have my heart. I gave you my yes Whatever it takes, I want to see these things happen. And so I go on this journey of, really, we were singing about it, and it's just so God. It's death and resurrection, plain and simple. That's the principle, death and resurrection. But there's a couple things um, that he taught me, and I just want to share them with you. I, you may have already known these. I'm not ignorant of the spiritual stature of this place and, and the pastoral staff. I, I'm just honored to have this microphone because I understand that the people here are just so incredible, and your mighty faith, the things you do for God. Um, so I just want to share a couple lessons. The first is that 
understanding, which is really what I'm after, to understand. Understanding is only found in the treasuries of Christ. Understanding is only found in the treasuries of Christ. He, Jesus, he, the Holy Spirit, he is the prize. He really is. Him. To know him. His presence is the reward. His presence is the reward. Not some thing, not money. The, the jewel of life is the presence of Jesus. Um, he taught me also that confession can be kind of cheap sometimes. Especially for we the people of these United States. Uh, <laughs> confession can be cheap, but communion, communion with Christ is costly. Communion with Christ will cost you something. Communion costs personal capital. It really does. Which, you know, I'm in the business world. I work in finance. People call, talk about using personal capital to solve business problems. <laughs> Communion with Christ will cost you personal capital. What I mean is reputation. What I mean is self-dignity. What I mean is uh, your comfort zone I, there's a story, my dad, he's in the front row today. Hi, dad. There's a story my dad reminded me of uh, when we were talking a little bit ago. Uh, a while back, we went to the zoo for a family day. Uh, and it was a nice day, so there were tons of people there. We spent a lot of time in the zoo and come out, and there's big crowds still going in. We get there early so we can make it back in nap time, and the kids don't melt down. We have a whole system. <laughs> We're coming out, and there's this big crowd out there. And at the same time, there's these PETA protesters. These PETA protesters out there, you know, like, save the animals. Um, but they were really concerned about the cats. There's a cat sanctuary, which is great. And so I see these people, and I'm walking through the zoo just like, God, I'm just praying. You know, I just want to live in communion with him. And so all the time, I just want him to invade my mind, and I'm just praying, God, what do you want me to do? If you want me to do something, drop it in my heart. I'll do it. I don't care what it costs. To my personal capital, I will do it. And so, just as God is, the Holy Spirit's a great teacher. He really is a great teacher, but he's demanding. He's demanding teacher. <laughs> he gives you good gifts, but, uh, but he really requires you to pay attention and submit to what he's teaching you. And so, I've been discovering this. And so, these PETA protesters are standing out there, and God puts on my heart, go talk to him. I'm like, I say, what? Like, <laughs> They're protesting. Like, what am I going to do? You know? Uh, so I go up there just in obedience. I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I'm just like, Lord, just give me something to say. And so I open my mouth. And wouldn't you know, the Holy Spirit gives me just like this awesome thing. And I say, I see that you guys are so passionate. You guys inspire me. I love your passion for what God has given you, a desire to see these animals and to steward them well. He's really put it in your heart. And that inspires me. Thank you. There's like 10 to 15 of these people, and I'm like, and there's a bunch of people in line behind me, mind you. Here I am in the middle of a zoo, Zooville, and, and I'm saying, I love your passion, but God has given me this to connect to their heart. And I said, you know, can I just share with what you, like you're stirring me up, guys, because you know what I'm passionate about? I'm passionate about God. I'm passionate about his son, Jesus Christ, that he loves you, and that sits in my heart, and I can't ignore that truth, and I'm passionate about saying it, so you need to know that the passion that you have for these animals is God-given because God made you. His son died for you. You need to know this, Jesus. 
And I might not have been so preachy, and uh, maybe a lot more nervous than I am right now, but uh, no, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but, man, it just, it really connected with him. God gave me the right things to say. And then, then one of them pipes up, this guy. He says, he says, hey, man, and he's like speaking on behalf of the PETA protesters now. He's like, hey, man, I just want people to believe what they believe. Like, it's not my thing to make, you know, force my beliefs on anyone else. Like, Jesus is good for you, man, but not good for me. And then I just feel the Holy Spirit again. He's just like, Isaac, let's go. And <laughs> that's my relationship with God. Uh, and, and then I'm like, I need to say something again. God, give me something. And so this comes out of me. It's like a boldness. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. I say, no, you don't. You don't believe that. You do not believe what you just told me. Because you're standing out here with your belief that these animals are worth more than people are treating them. And you want them to change their belief about what they're doing. You do not believe what you just told me. Uh, I said that. I actually said that. And so, I, you know, yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, now what are we doing, God? And, and so I said, I need you to know that there is a thing is truth. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus loves you, and you can ignore it or you can accept it. Has anybody ever asked you if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you really want to know him? And the answer was really no, but all their jobs were just like. <laughs> I had all of their attention. They are no longer protesting. <laughs> but they, they, uh, they're looking at me. They didn't receive Jesus or, you know, the glory cloud didn't fall down in that moment. But we prayed with them and God planted these seeds. And I know he was bringing something about in that moment. Um, but that's just kind of the, like the type of thing that God's been doing in my life. And so it's really death and resurrection. Um, but I cannot help but be changed by him. I can't help but be like formed, like the potter forms us, like he uses us, clay, to put this amazing thing inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit. I can't help but be changed by him. I can't help but be moved by him. And it's an amazing life. So I've seen, I've seen samples of revival. I've seen people healed. You know, I didn't used to see any of this. I've seen people saved in the malls and on the streets at gas stations. I've seen people saved in church that I never used to be a part of those situations. It just wasn't my experience. But yielding to the Holy Spirit has brought about these things. So I've seen samples of it, like Costco samples. And they're good. They're delicious. It's not one of those that you eat and it's like, oh, mistake. Um, but I want the full meal, church. I want the full meal. I want revival. I need, I need you to be revived. I need myself to be revived. We need to do this. And that's our cry. And so we've been talking about revive, revival. That's our cry. And so um, that's what I want to bring to you today. I want to encourage you to do it. And, you know, we say this, but, like, let's let our actual hearts agree with our confession. Amen? Let's let our lifestyle align with what we're professing and going to church to, to hear and to see and partake in. And so uh, there's two verses that we've been kind of standing on in this series. The first is Habakkuk 3.2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk 3.2. Psalms 85, 6-7. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? It's about him. 
Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Church, we can't settle for mediocrity. We cannot settle for, the, for less than what God has called us into. And I'm here to poke the bear. Uh, I'm poking myself. We cannot settle. God has called us to so much. But let's understand something, church, that revivals have revivalists. Revivals have revivalists. We pray revive us. It's me. It's you. It's people like you and I who have faith enough to believe that this book actually says the truth. Like that this book, if I do the things in this book, I will see the things promised to me in that book. Who have faith enough to stand on that. So revivals have revival lists. I need you to know that you're not disqualified or discredited. That's, that's not the case. You, God wants you and me to, to really trust this and believe it. So to that end, I want to jump into what, I want, what God has laid on my heart to bring. And it's four things. Four things. The first thing is remember. Remember. Remember your God. He created the heavens and the earth. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you will say, what you will do. He knows what I will say next. <laughs> he formed your body and soul. He's put life into you. This is your God, not someone else's yours. God sits in the theater room of your heart. He sees everything that you do. That's terrifying. He knows your conscious thoughts. He knows what you consider doing and what you follow through on. This is God. Allow him to pervade your mind in his wonder and his beauty. Remember your Christ, Jesus. Remember him. Who was kind and considerate and compassionate to the lowest and the least. The worst and the most down and out. Remember your Jesus. Remember his blood shed on a cross for you. Remember that he gave you salvation. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember that Jesus. And don't let his voice become so muted in your life that he becomes some kind of like historical caricature of a man. He's real. Right now as we speak, as I speak on behalf of God... He is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is real. Remember Jesus. Remember your history. Remember your history, church, you and I. Remember the things, the moments God has brought you into, the things God has done in you. Remember your history. Remember the day of your salvation, that first love. Remember that. Remember when you... Maybe we're in youth camp or something like that, and you're on this like spiritual high, like a roller coaster. Don't neglect those things. Remember them. Let them prophesy to your future. Jesus people, or do we have Jesus people in the house? I, amen. Remember, remember that move of God. Maybe you got saved there. Remember what happened. Remember that maybe you, just maybe you were ready to move to a commune. Maybe you. We're ready to move out of the city and on a commune for Jesus. Maybe you were so zealous for God that you were hitting the streets, passing out gospel tracts, protesting like the palm reader establishment or whatever. Maybe you were doing that. 
Remember the mass baptisms in the ocean, you know, at the beach. Remember that you may be considered joining a band for no reason but other than, like, it was happening. Uh, remember, mid-90s, people who experienced the Holy Spirit move in the mid-90s, I say this because I was like six or seven at the time, and I remember it. But you in the mid-90s who saw God move, remember the Holy Spirit's touch. Maybe you, you experienced God in a mighty way that changed you forever. I want you to remember that right now because I want it to stir you. I want it to revive your faith. I want it to make something happen in you that you didn't think could happen again, and I want it to happen right now. Remember it. Maybe you ran around the church like a maniac in a church service that went nine hours long. Maybe you did that. Maybe you were on the floor under the power of God, covered in one of those tiny little, like, what do they call those? Those uh, little blanket things? Maybe that was you. The modesty cloth, thank you. (laughs) That's so much better. Remember those moments. Tell your stories, please. I want to hear them. I really do. Interrupt my conversation about the stupid weather or like Thanksgiving meal, and tell me a story about what God did in your life. Connect the generations. We want to hear. Remember your history. Remember your call. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's amazing. Remember that you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for Christ. He's given you a ministry of reconciliation. That's what you've been called into. Remember the promise that he will not leave you as orphans, that he has sent his Holy Spirit, and he has promised to be with you, Emmanuel, God with us, tis the season. The promise is for you, not for some man of God. I don't claim to be some hyper-spiritual person. I I just want this stuff. I'm hungry. Remember that the promise is yours, so take it. Um, Number two, return. Return. Return in repentance. Joel 2.13 says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return in repentance before God. I really mean this. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Amos 3.3 says. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? They cannot. You cannot walk with God unless you are agreed with him. You cannot understand what he wants to do with you until you come to a place of humility and repent before your God. So church, I ask you today, repent for lost communion with Jesus. Repent for disobedience. Repent for unforgiveness. Repent for the wrong things you've done, like the acts you've committed against God. Please, please, I need you to. (laughs) I, I need to do this. Repent. But repent with thanksgiving in your heart. Don't repent in self-loathing. That would be a trap. That would be a deception. Don't repent in a way that you're condemned and, and you don't understand how Christ really sees you. Repent with thanksgiving in your heart. I thank you, God, that you have opened my eyes to these things that do not belong in my life and that you call me a son. You call me a daughter. I am an heir of the promise. I agree with your mindset towards me. Jesus, your blood speaks a better word. Thank you. I agree with you. Repent with thanksgiving in your heart, not in self-loathing, giving power to the sin that held you. That would be stupid. But we do it. We do it. Repent with thanksgiving. Return to faith. Remember 
Remember what God's done. Return to faith. Don't give up. If your faith is wounded, church, please keep pressing in. Remember, or return to faith, sorry. Return to faith. If your faith is wounded, come to the healer, Christ Jesus. He wants to revive your faith. Return to his feet. Return to his feet. Come humbly before the king, the king Jesus. Return to his feet. Speak plainly to him. Speak boldly to him. This is our privilege. The the veil is torn. We can come boldly before the throne of God. Return to the feet of Jesus. Come and sit at his feet and pray. Come and sit at his feet and read your Bible. Come and sit, sit at the feet of Jesus. It's a precious place. It's holy ground. He invites you there. He invites you there day and night. Come back. Go again. He wants you. That's where he teaches you. Sit at the feet of Jesus and let him teach you and grow you up into the person you are supposed to be. Not someone else's expectation. His expectation. His plans for you. Sit at the feet of Jesus and meet the king and let him speak life into your life and teach you who you are to be. He paid a high price for that position at his feet. He paid a high price to be at his feet. He really did. Don't neglect it. Don't insult it. Go there and go there often. Number three, receive. Receive. Receive forgiveness. Here's the thing God really taught me about forgiveness is that you have to receive forgiveness. Because if you don't receive forgiveness and it's just some concept that you're forgiven and it does not actually mean anything to you, if you do not believe you are forgiven, you will be stuck in the same things that you're asking forgiveness for. When you understand that you're forgiven, when you really do, when you get that the thing you're about to do next is already forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus, how dare I understand that and then insult the mercy of Jesus? How dare I know that what I'm about to do has been washed, wiped away, made clean, and then I do it anyway. When you understand that, there's a fear that comes into your heart, and you do not want to violate the forgiveness of God. Receive it. Receive forgiveness. It's amazing. That's the power to free you from sin. That's the power I'm talking about. It's the power of understanding That he has forgiven you. Receive qualification. If you believe you are qualified to do good things, to take part in the wonderful privilege of this place called the kingdom of God, his authority and his reign, you are qualified, church. We are qualified to do this. Don't look to somebody else and their resume or their qualifications because God does not care about the piece of paper. He cares about your heart. He wants your faith. I think about the criminal on the cross. The man was being killed for things he had done wrong against society, right? And all he had was faith in Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all he did. That's all he did. He's dying. He's on a cross. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. You are qualified by your faith in Jesus Christ and nothing less, nothing more. That's it. 
Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift you and I have ever received is Christ's departure from this earth. The, the, the disciples thought that was pretty nuts too. <laughs> They're like, uh-uh, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. You're staying here with us. And he's like, no, 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 this is Jesus. It's better that I go away because then I get to send a helper. And he gets to be with you everywhere. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive him. Receive the greatest gift. If only we would open our eyes. We sometimes act like the Holy Spirit's not with us. Like if only Jesus were holding my hand right now, I could go pray for that person. If only Jesus were actually here holding my hand, I could, I could tell somebody about my faith. If only Jesus were here. That's a wrong mindset. Jesus is here. He's in you. He's with you. Let's understand this. Let's receive that gift that he's poured out. And lastly, I want to ask us to run, run, run. I love this. Like, I just feel I'm aggressive. If you can't tell. <laughs> God has put this, like, aggressiveness in me where it's like Isaac Green Pastures, man. Like, I'm asking God, like, should I do something? Should I not do something? He's like, go, go. The light is green. Go, go. He's like, I know what you're going to say. You're in green pastures. The grass is green. You've got the elbow pads, the wrist pads. You've got the helmet. You've got the knee pads. You've got the shin guards. You've got the, you know, you know how kids dress up their kids in, like, all of the gear. That's what I feel like God has done for me. <laughs> Maybe it's just for this season, you know. But he's like, go, be aggressive. Because if God's asking me to do something, or even if I think it's the right thing, he knows. And I just trust him. I trust him. That's what it is. I just trust him. And so I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to ask somebody if their back's hurt, and they might say no ten times. But I'm just still going to ask it because I want to know. I need understanding. First, run towards understanding. Run towards understanding. Seek God and seek truth. These are the highest things. Hunger and thirst for this understanding. Fast and pray. We do it in this church. It's amazing. We are in a healthy church. Fast and pray. Run towards understanding. Purpose in your heart to understand the ways of God and seek him and sacrifice whatever it takes to do it. Knock on heaven's door for answers. You know, remember that sermon Bob preached a long time ago now, but it still just rings in my heart. Knock until your knuckles are raw. So church, run towards understanding, and if you do not have it, ask. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. You are a royal priesthood chosen nation of people belonging to God. Ask him. He does not give you a stone when you ask for bread. Knock. Ask for understanding. And don't suppose that you know everything. Because <laughs> God's truth is endless. Run with grace. Run with grace. Not simply, I, you know, people have ideas about grace and a lot of them are very true. And I, I'm not talking about grace as unmerited favor. That's not really what I'm talking about, although it very much is. Grace, grace. Run with the grace that's empowering. In the book of Acts, you see that they did things with grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's, a, it's an empowering grace. It's a grace that makes you a weak clay vessel able to pour out of it 
the very presence and beauty and wonder of God because he wants to escape from you. Run with grace. Grace that doesn't see an obstacle, but sees an opportunity for God's glory and for your joy. Run with that kind of grace. I love what Dallas Willard, is there any Dallas Willard fans? I know Scott's a Dallas Willard fan. Yeah, it's Dallas Willard, he has this quote. I want to read it to you. He, well, he defines grace as grace is God's action, action in our lives to accomplish what we cannot accomplish on our own. Run with that kind of grace that enables you to do things that are physically impossible for you to do. I want the full measure of this grace operating in me. I want to see the full measure of this grace operating in this church. I really do. Run into risk. Run into risk. This one's scary for a lot of people, by definition. Run into into risk for God. You cannot do the same thing over and over and expect different results. There will be some discomfort in your pursuit of God and and, and desiring revival, we must run into risk. Revival does not occur without an element of risk, church. It doesn't happen. If we want to be revived, we must be willing to risk something. Our dignity. I've heard it said, dignity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I love that. <laughs> run into risk. Because Romans 5.5 5 says this. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Run into risk with the love of God. Be led by his word and obey it. Uh, and, and then last thing I want to share with you guys is just run in unity. Run in unity. I love this church because in this family there's all sorts of people from different backgrounds, from different age Brackets, um, generation, whatever you want to call them, brackets. Um, there is no greater unifier than the Holy Spirit. There is none, bar none, there is no greater unifier than, than the Holy Spirit of God. If we want unity, we must run with him. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot manufacture unity outside of the Holy Spirit. Run in unity. You know, we read about the picture of the church being like this display of brotherly love that attracts people that when we have this kind of love, when we have this kind of unity, the world will see and know that he has chosen to manifest his glory in a particular people called the church. A particular people called City Harvest Church. Run in the unity of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just saying this. I've actually got the privilege to, to get a glimpse of this a little bit. Um, Scott Watkins is one of my best friends. And if you look at Scott Watkins, and if we were to, you know, stand in line at a grocery store, you would never think that him and I are best, like, good friends. He's my dear friend. <laughs> we face different social scenarios. We are making different life decisions. Um, there's not a lot in common in like the really natural, but the Holy Spirit has united us in a hunger and pursuit for the things of God in a way that's just beautiful. And he is one of my best friends. Uh, I've seen it. Jim Stroop. Is Jim here? Jim Stroop. Where are you at? Jim. He might have stepped out. But Jim, 
I've seen him open his house to people that I've brought to him who are not in the best shape. He's opened the doors of his house. And him and I have connected, and he's my friend. He's my brother in Christ. I am unified with him. Not because I had a conversation with him about the coffee shop that we like attending or going to. Not about our favorite movies or music. It's about how are you going to use us, God, to accomplish your task. And it's because the task of God is our main pursuit that there is unity between us. There does not, unity cannot be manufactured. The world will say, imagine, right? Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no religion. Imagine, just pretend that these things don't exist. And if people just let each other be who they're supposed to be, then there will be unity and peace on earth. I'm not going to say that won't happen for a time. It might. People might get stirred up and be unified for six months. But the unity will not last. It's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. Real unity cannot come by any other means than the, the person of the Holy Spirit. We need to hunger for him. He is everlasting and his kingdom has no end. His unity, his Holy Spirit does not fade. So when we plug into him and we pursue the Holy Spirit, we pursue the things of God with everything in our being, then we will see unity. Then the world will see the church as the church is meant to be, the bride of Christ. What does revival look like, church? I don't know the full picture. I can't describe to you everything. I've been reading God's generals. Have you read those books? God's generals, it talks about all the revivalists. You know, I, I could tell you stories of past revivals. I don't know what the next one will look like. But what I can tell you needs to happen is that people like you and me, us, normal people, fishermen, decided for Christ and followed him and changed the world. Charles Spurgeon, I love Charles Spurgeon. He was 17 when he was first asked to pastor a church. 17. 17. Crazy. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber before he started seeing healings like you and I would not believe. Smith, he was a plumber. Your occupation does not. I work in finance. I'm not supposed to be preaching. <laughs> but God just wants our heart. Evan Roberts, he was 26. He was about, I'm 28. Evan Roberts was 26 when he was like the catalyst for the Welsh Revival. A normal kid, people like you and me, who come to grips with the understanding that nothing will happen, we will not be revived, we will not see revival until we completely abandon our self-will, we completely abandon our attempt to earn anything and receive the Holy Spirit in power, in his love, in his unifying way. We need to lay hold of this. We need to lay aside what holds us down and run into the arms of the Father, into the arms of grace, into the arms of love. What does a revival look like? I, th I think it looks a lot like death and resurrection. I do. It looks like you dying to parts of yourself and letting the Holy Spirit resurrect them one by one. It might be slow, it might be painful, it might take a lot of time, it might be quick. But die 
die. <laughs> I just telling you all to die. Uh, I pray that prayer, though. I say, kill my pride, God. Kill it. I do not want an ounce of it. Kill it. I need none of it. If I have it, it's me. I want you. Kill my pride. Death and resurrection. Such a good word from Casey today. Sow the heart of God. Revival looks like this. So I urge you today, I ask you, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable worship. Amen? Amen.